0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. So some of you know, my interests in anthropogeny originated from studies in sialic acid biology changes in human evolution. And my background as a physician led me to explore human-specific diseases. So, what then am I doing here talking about death, awareness, and mortality? In 2005, I lectured at the University of Arizona and ventured beyond my expertise, opining about the evolution of human cognition. At the lunch that followed, a local professor sat next to me and said, you are all asking the wrong question. Danny Brower's point was perhaps we should not be asking how human minds evolved, There have been highly intelligent, warm-blooded social creatures around for tens of thousands of years. Elephants, carved birds, apes, and dolphins. So why are we not having to compete with these other species? Danny suggested that it was not just that something unusual happened during human evolution, but also that all these other species were blocked in progression by a cognitive barrier that only we had broken through. So I was really intrigued by this contrarian view and we talked a long time after everyone was gone and I strongly recommended that he publish. Seeing nothing in print after more than a year, I followed up with emails, got no responses, looked up his phone number on the internet, only to find his obituary. Danny had died very suddenly of an unusual disease called aortic dissection. I contacted his friend Sean Carroll, who said Danny had indeed been working on some novel idea but never published. After more than two decades of exploring anthropogeny, I could see some real important potential in Danny's idea, and I just could not let it die with him. Fortunately, the editor of Nature, Philip Campbell, allowed me to write a letter about Danny's idea with some embellishments. I thought I had done my duty and could leave it to experts to follow up. But a week later, I got an email from Danny Brower's widow, Sharon thanking me for writing the letter, told me that Danny had started a book and asked if I would like to read it. Looking at his draft, I realized that his thinking had progressed very much in the way mine had, and we'd come to very similar conclusions independently. But there were great challenges in completing this book. First, one author was dead, <laughs> and the other wanted to preserve the original intent and prose. Second, I really had no time to do full justice to it because of my lack of expertise and, and also lack of time. And last but not least, who would care about a book by a dead insect geneticist and a living physician scientist who claimed to have explained the human mind? <laughs> so I sat on this for a while, but fortunately a friend of mine, Abraham Berg, he's an author, put me in touch with his agent, Mary Evans, who saw the potential in the book and convinced Carrie Goldstein at 12 books to help me with it. And so I went on. Strike four, which I won't talk about, is Superstorm Sandy. Strike five was poor fall through on my part because of lack of expertise and lack of time. (laughs) And last but not least was a book title that the publisher insisted on, which was Denial. So for a while I thought that this was a hackneyed old phrase that had so many meanings that it didn't really say what I wanted to say. And in fact, if you looked in Amazon, you would find not only the famous important book relative to this topic, Denial of Death, but numerous books with the word denial in them. (laughs) The more I thought about it, I realized that actually the publisher and uh, agent were right. All these books are talking really about various versions of the same Phenomenon: the human penchant for denying reality. And in fact, as you read more, I found other books by many famous authors, all of which are on different topics, but all contain pieces of the same story, our human ability to ignore reality. Let me give you some practical examples. As a physician, I'm acutely aware of the fact that lack of exercise, unhealthy diet, tobacco use, ignoring obesity, high blood pressure, sleep apnea poor hygiene, and excessive red meat are bad for you. But I'm not going to show ask for a show of hands because (laughs) physicians like myself are equally guilty. Then we have massive denial of scientific reality, biological evolution, climate change, magical cures, vaccines don't work, worse still, they cause autism despite it being debunked, UFOs, of course... Weird cancer risks, not the real ones. And here in San Diego, fluoride in the water is a communist plot. <laughs> and then there are many examples of societal denial of practical reality. In national debt, each of you owes $150,000. Health care costs, end-of-life costs, covert racism, population growth, and insistence on rebuilding in exactly the places where the worst earthquakes, floods, and hurricanes have occurred. And then, of course, the examples of political distortion of reality. I'm not going to read this slide. You know what I'm talking about. But to be fair, there are plenty of examples of distortion of reality at the other end of the political spectrum. I think Calvin puts it well to Hobbes. It's not denial. I'm just very selective about the reality that I accept. So... I, uh, after writing the book, I had much difficulty finding a single word or phrase that encompasses phenomenon. So I'm going to use a phrase I didn't find in the dictionary reality denial, which I'm defining as some kind of subconscious defense mechanism characterized by a refusal to acknowledge or rationalization of unwanted or unpleasant facts, realities, thoughts, or feelings. Now, So I think we have to add reality denial to the long list of unusual and exaggerated cognitive features of humans, some of which are listed here. But for most of these other features, we can think of good reasons why they might have evolved in terms of benefiting humans. But with reality denial, there's a mystery. Excessive reality denial of the kind that humans practice should be an evolutionary maladaptation. Excessive reality denial should result in excessive risk-taking, and the individuals who have the genetic ability to do that should disappear. So how and why did excessive reality denial and risk-taking evolve in humans? And what benefits outweighed those negative consequences? So now, bring, this brings me to another extension of Danny's idea that the independent evolution of self-awareness in the very same intelligent creatures that we've discussed before, although there are lots of arguments about the techniques used and the real conclusions, it's reasonably clear that chimpanzees and perhaps elephants, dolphins, and magpies can recognize themselves in a mirror and have some kind of sense of self. It's hard to define exactly what it is, but they certainly do have this. So, are animals and birds with awareness of their own self, also aware of the self-awareness of others of their own kind? I asked myself that question and did some reading and realized I was thinking about something that's been well-studied called theory of mind. The ability to attribute mental beliefs, desires, intentions, and perspectives To oneself and to others, and to understand that others also have beliefs, desires, intentions, and perspectives that are similar or different from one's own. There are many other related terms, intentionality, etc., that I won't go through, but they're all overlapping terms. After reading further, I realized there's a continuum in the cognitive development of theory of mind and intentionality. A two-year-old human passes the mirror test. A three- to four-year-old human has a more rudimentary theory of mind that emerges. A five year old human has a full theory of mind and can tell excellent lies. <laughs> but adult humans have something that I might call extended theory of mind, of multi order intentionality, the ability to do what we're doing right now. You're, you're reading my mind, I'm reading my, your mind, and there are a hundred people or several hundred people across the world on the live internet watching and thinking of what you're thinking or perhaps something different. And with the Internet, of course, we can have millions of minds melted across the world at the same time. So the question, and this is, of course, a continuum, the question arises, why is this extended theory of mind so well-developed in adult humans and apparently not in other species? So here's my expansion of Danny's idea. I suggests that there's a, there was a psychological evolutionary barrier that held back all these other intelligent species at about this point in the evolution of theory of mind. What might that barrier be? We can now come back to the theme of the symposium and suggest there's also a continuum in the awareness of death risk and understanding of personal mortality. I may not have my numbers exactly correct, but it seems to me that uh, you first have an automated reaction to death risk, which, as Joe pointed out, many species, all all species should have, some kind of awareness of death risk. And if some kind of self-awareness was enhanced at that time, you would maybe become aware of the death of another individual, But if I substitute crows for magpies here, uh, it's the very same animal birds and and birds that seem to have evolved some kind of awareness of death you heard about earlier in the symposium. That seems right on the cusp of what humans have, and yet just short of it. So the operative word here is mortality salience, conscious understanding and realization of one's personal mortality. So if you go down this continuum, well death anxiety may require extended theory of mind, truly understanding the death of another individual would result in understanding the mortality of other individuals. And this conscious awareness would exaggerate the systems we've heard about that extensively not just actual events, but even thinking about it at the level of consciousness, as Joe said. Such individuals would then have a reduction in... Reproductive fitness, evolution doesn't care if you survive, evolution cares if you reproduce, and I suspect that those individuals who first ran into this barrier, and maybe it happened many times in many species, had reduction in reproductive fitness and could not transmit their genotype. So then the emergence of extended theory of mind would result in awareness of mortality, and again a failure to fix the genotype in two species. We've already said that reality denial should be negative, So what if these two unusual cognitive features emerged in the same minds at the same time, a rare negative, double negative, which could result sufficient tolerance of death anxiety to establish the combination of the species? Thus, perhaps two rare evolutionary maladaptations or negatives could have coincided to allow this mind over reality transition. I have a much more extended view of this that we don't have time to discuss. (laughs) Uh, I need to talk to some experts, too, before I go any further with that. Uh, But any theory that makes progress is bound to be initially counterintuitive. So I'd like to suggest that this hypothetical singular phase in human evolution, which mortality, salience, and maladaptive death anxiety were triggered by acquiring extended theory of mind, which resulted in understanding of personal mortality, But then then one time only was stabilized by simultaneous acquisition of general reality denial in the same minds. I remember asking Danny, there couldn't be a death denial module, but he came to the same conclusion I have. We just deny anything we don't like. (laughs) So there are other consequences. Afterlife myths, superstitions, religiosity, self-deception, overconfidence, risk-taking, and last but not least, the optimism bias. Humans are well known to be irrationally optimistic. Many studies have shown this even with fMRI studies. And evolutionary modeling (laughs) shows that reacting in an overconfident manner can have fitness benefits as long as the contested resource is sufficiently large compared to the cost of competition. Now, if you combine overconfidence with extended theory of mind, you've got big success. Of course, here is a case, I believe, of initially successful but eventually fatal case of reality denial. So, how important is reality denial? Let's do a thought experiment and delete it. Well, some other features of humans would would get dimmed or partially eliminated. But let's now dim theory of mind and eliminate that. And you'd find that most of these unusual or exaggerated cognitive features of humans, while they could still be present would be greatly dimmed. So I suggest that this combination could give you this transition, which is consistent so far with all known facts, compatible with other theories, not negated by currently known facts, but is not directly testable by experimental reproduction or directly falsifiable by experimental approaches. Now, the great tragedy of science is the slaying of a beautiful hypothesis by an ugly fact. (laughs) And I've been searching for that fact... To, to destroy this hypothesis. If you can find it, let me know. But it can't just be, I don't like it. <laughs> so when did this occur in human evolution, finally? We know that about two million years ago, our ancestors from Africa, some stayed behind and some spread all across the old world to give rise to Neanderthals and many other species. And this went on for almost two million years, leaving behind many species and subspecies. But the types of things that you might think might be related to theory of mind, reality denial leaves no signal in the record I can think of, but symbolic art, complex tool-making, personal ornamentation, burials with added materials, all occur around 100 to 200,000 years ago. Again, I'm the experts so will be much more precise than I am. This happens to be about the time that the human migration and the peopling of the world occurred, in which our species evolved in Africa and gradually spread across the world and essentially took over the planet. And we are now, unlike most other subspecies where there are multiple species, we are the lone survivors and the masters of the planet. So while we can't be sure, I'd like to speculate that the evolution of anatomically modern humans into behaviorally modern humans, which is seen in the archaeological record, although it's quite incomplete, may have at least partly involved this transition. So, uh, it so happens this theory can provide a unifying explanation for several unusual exaggerated features of humans, such as theory of mind, which is beneficial for many things, reality denial, strong tendency for self-deception and false beliefs, overarching optimism, bias, risk-taking behavior, recent emergence perhaps as a dominant species, and replacement of everybody else. Remember, this would have to be a, have a genetic basis. There are some examples of supporting evidence I don't have time to talk about, and issues arising in future directions I don't have time to talk about, but <laughs> I would point out that some of the brain regions involved in optimism, bias, anxiety, and so on are related to some of these, uh, act, these things. So finally, let me close by coming back to Danny Brower. From Danny Brower's 2007 draft manuscript, we are polluting the earth and changing the climate in ways that we can't predict and likely at some point can't easily reverse. If you're so smart, why do we continue to sow the seeds for our eventual destruction? Perhaps because we are saddled with a brain that is designed by selection to cope with the ultimate disaster, death, by denying it will occur, and so we treat all of the impending disasters by denying they will never happen, Indeed, it is arguable that we are destined to destroy ourselves as a species, 2007. You don't have to listen to climate scientists. Just look at the HSBC bank's projection for what they're going to run into in terms of extreme weather events. Personally, I think this is a case where legitimate fear-mongering is appropriate. It's global and local climate disruption, not just climate change, affecting you and everybody else that you know in your backyard. Again, a quote I found in Danny's manuscript. A man who carries a cat by the tail (laughs) learns something he can never learn in any other way. (laughs) We have caught the climate tiger by the tail. And we better let go soon. Finally, from Danny's manuscript, he had a lot of cartoons I couldn't reproduce in the book for copyright reasons, but I'm just showing one of them. Doctor to Earth. The bad news is you've got advanced stage humans. The good news is they've just about run their course and you should be on the mend soon. (laughs) So with that, I'd like to close with the idea that two rare evolutionary maladaptations, this is just a theory for discussion, might have coincided to allow the mind over reality transition. Thank you.